You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to our March Madness series. For the next five days, we are interviewing everyday runners who set big goals, put in the work, and change their lives by overcoming the impossible. Not only are their stories inspiring, but you are going to learn something from each and every one of them. We can't wait for you to hear this, and we have a big goal this week that we want you to be a part of. We've set the goal of being the number one streamed running podcast in the world this week. So please share these episodes with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever it may be, so we can celebrate together the growth of this beautiful running community. So friends, let's jump in. Part three is here, everyone. We hope you guys are enjoying our March Madness series and are feeling inspired this week. You're going to love today's episode with Katrina Schiedemeyer. Katrina just completed her very first marathon, her very first marathon. And guess what? She crushed it. You'll hear all about how she trained, what went wrong, and how she fought through what seemed like the impossible. So if you're training and you're thinking to yourself, I don't think I'm going to finish this marathon, think again. Harrison has been working one-on-one with Katrina over the past few months to help her prepare for this marathon. So it was exciting beyond measure for both of us to see her reach this milestone. So if you are looking for a one-on-one accountability partner and or cheerleader, please send us a message on our Instagram or website. We'd love to chat. So friends, let's get to it. Here's the amazing one and only Katrina Schiedemeyer. I'm super excited everyone to be here with Trina, also known as Katrina. Trina, how's it going? It is wonderful. Thanks for having me on. So um, how are you doing tonight? I am great. My feet are up and recovering and I have an ice pack on them right now. So I think just like any other runner, I am in the recovery stage right now. Perfect. You're doing it right. So 
for everyone listening, Trina just finished her first marathon. You're officially a marathoner. Woo! It does not feel real. I can't believe that I am one yet. <laughs> well, you are. I mean, you did it. You got to let it set in, but I, I get it. You know, it, it, there's that feeling of just disbelief. Like, what did I just do? Mm-hmm. So I know I felt the same way. So you just finished a virtual marathon, of course, due to COVID, you would have probably loved to do it in person. Am I right? Absolutely right. Yeah. So before we jump into all of that, I want to talk about you, get to know you a little bit before you know we talk about this crazy story, because I think it's just such a cool story how you got uh, to, to where you are today. So where are you from? What do you do for fun? What do you do for work? All that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I am from a town in Wisconsin called Oshkosh. It is about an hour and a half north of Milwaukee. Um, It has some incredibly beautiful lakes and some beautiful running trails, which makes running right now a little bit more fun. Um, I currently work at a company called Oshkosh Corporation, which makes some of the coolest vehicles ever. Um, We make some cool military vehicles and fire trucks and all kinds of things. And I work on our supply chain and supplier development team there. So I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound a bit ignorant. I for some reason thought you guys made baby clothes. Yeah, actually. So most people do think we make baby clothes until we um, kind of share it. Um, Ashkash Bagash, which is the baby clothing company, has a really similar name. Was also started in the same town, so it's pretty common for that um, that thought there. But we actually make some pretty cool military vehicles. I guess if you have a town called Oshkosh, you can't not use the name in your business, right? Exactly. It's a pretty cool name to be using. <laughs> it's like if your last name is Crumb, like you cannot not use Crummy, you know, in your Exactly. So. You've got to use it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you work for Oshkosh. You, I'm sorry, did you say you work in supply chain? Yes. I work in supply chain on the supplier development team. So when it's a non-COVID year, there's a significant amount of travel with it which allows me to run all around the world, which is pretty fun. So I've got some of my favorite runs happened um, in all different countries, which is a pretty fun thing. I don't know if many people can also say. Yeah, that's what, what's, the, what's your favorite country you've run in? Um, so the best run I've ever done was in England. I was actually studying abroad in college and it ran from the place that I was staying past the Chelsea football stadium. Um, their uh, English Premier League soccer team over there. And it was incredibly beautiful. It was 5 a.m. The players were going into train. And that is now why Chelsea is my favorite uh, soccer team. So if anyone's listening to this and you're a Chelsea fan, I applaud you. <laughs> well, we have quite a few listeners in the UK. In fact, I was just looking at the the stats and um, the UK is our third most listened country. So um, that's super cool. So Chelsea is the team and uh, they're in London, you said? They are. Yep. They're in London and their uh, stadium is located on a beautiful path. Um, So if you ever get a chance to run there, I highly recommend it. Awesome. So how many countries have you been to? Do you track that? I haven't tracked that. I should. I know I've been to, I think, 46 states and uh, my work has brought me all around uh, all throughout North America. And then I've also traveled personally and for work throughout Europe, Asia and in Dubai in the Middle East. Um, I've also been to Australia and New Zealand. So I just have a couple continents left. Lucky you. Well, that's Mo's. One of her dreams is to run every continent. And so, wow. Yeah. Like a marathon in every one. So, so oh my gosh. Someday. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. So, how did you get started running? Yeah. Good question. So, I think I started running kind of like any 
normal person or normal kid does. You run on the playground, you kind of have fun doing it. And then in high school, I had um, uh, picked up track for a few years, um, ran that, but I mainly focused in on triple jump and long jump. So I didn't do a significant amount of running there. That's something we connect on. I did triple jump back in junior high. Oh, nice. That's awesome. It's like the the thing that you've never heard of before. Yes. And then <laughs> as, okay, here's all the different events. And there's one called triple jump. And you say, what? What's a triple and you're jump? Like, that sounds like fine. Let's try <laughs> it. Yeah. I'm not fast and I'm not, I can't jump high. I can't do any of these things. So, okay, I'll do the one thing that nobody else wants to do. Exactly right. <laughs> yep. I remember I thought that doing some of the other ones were so cool. I was like, I am not a high jumper. That's probably not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah. That's cool though. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I grew up doing that. And then um, we had, there was about an eight mile loop around my parents' house. We lived out in the country. And in the evening, my parents um, would go for a long walk around that there. And I would run the hills um, with them. And that was uh, just an incredibly fun time. But that was all recreational running. Um, fast forward through end of high school and early college, my dad had completed quite a few half marathons. Um, he was a you know, fantastic um, athlete in really inspired me to get into the running scene, but I had done it as, you know, 5Ks and kind of shorter distance things. Um, Then as my professional career started, I kind of put running to the side and really focused in on ending college, um, starting in the workforce, et cetera. Then um, back in last, um, I think it was like November, December, I was like, you know what? I miss running. That sounds like something pretty fun to do. So I picked it up casually and then the pandemic hit and I said, you know what? I don't have a social life right now. You know, I'm seeing safe social distancing, not going out and doing anything. Why not pick up running? And so I really dedicated a lot of energy starting of March last year uh, throughout the rest of quarantine time to running a lot. Um, started working on distance and speed and because I wasn't going out or doing anything, um, it was the kind of one outlet that I got outside of my house. And so it became something I really looked forward to doing. And then I just kind of kept going with it. Okay. So you started running seriously, it sounds like about early 2020? Yep, correct. Okay, cool. And so that's about the time you and I connected, right? It is, yeah. Remind me, how did that happen? Yeah, so I was um, actually in on vacation, I believe, and I was talking with one of my friends. Um, this is before the pandemic hit, and we decided that it would be really fun if we started to run together. And so she had encouraged me to, hey, let's try and sign up for some races. Let's look a little bit more into things. Um, and told me, like, hey, if you have a, a race that you're signed up for, it becomes a lot more motivating to do so. Yeah. Um, so I said, yep, that sounds good. And then I didn't really do too much with it. And then fast forward a little bit and I was looking for things to keep me entertained while I was running. And I came across uh, your guys's podcast and said, wow, this is exactly what I want to do someday. So as I started to listen to it more and more, I got more and more inspired because I think you guys had done a really great job talking to the average person, the regular person who doesn't know how far is a marathon? Uh, there's running stores where you can get fancy shoes from. What's that experience like, et cetera? Right, right, yeah. Uh, so not only was I using it as something to help me pass the time while I was running, but it was giving me some really helpful advice. And so I decided to reach out to you guys on Facebook, um, connected with your uh, group, and then the rest is kind of history. 
Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I know. So we connected and, and you and I started working together and, uh, I think we had a successful go at it and uh, hopefully you feel the same way. But uh, <laughs> The fact that I can say I'm a marathoner, I think is really good proof that it was successful. I think so too. So, so let's dive into that. So you started training and, and, and uh, you and I had kind of worked together one-on-one to, to get you ramped up and ready for your first marathon. And um, what would you say was the, if you had to summarize your training experience training for your first marathon? How would you summarize that? Oh, that's a good question. So my uh, marathon journey, I think was a little bit uh, similar to the average person. Um, I had uh, trained for um, nothing in specific during the summer months. So it was kind of just running to run thinking it would be fun. And I had built up to doing, I think I was at 11 miles and then one day woke up and decided today I feel like running. Let's just run and see how far I go. And I ran and did my first half marathon that day. It was uh, 96 degrees, really humid. Um, For anyone who's in Wisconsin, you know that that humidity kills you. I had no water, no gel packs or goo or anything. It was just kind of a run and see how it goes. And it was difficult, but also so amazing. And from there, I decided, I think I could go a marathon. Like the, the runner's high at the end of it was so worth it. Yeah. I mean, if you could do 13.1 in ridiculous uh, weather, you know, then if you actually prepared for it, yeah, you could probably go way further. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, wow, if I would have had water and gel packs and the right nutrition, I can't imagine how the run would have went. Uh, So I had reached out to you and we um, had started talking about the training plan. And um, I believe it was um, end of October, we were looking at going for it. And I had actually um, ended up getting sick. So we pushed it back to um, end of December, we had started actually training for it. So for anyone who's listening to this in um, a few months from now, that's about three months ago, um, three and a half months ago, we started really training for the marathon. My uh, training plan. I was very amateur at a lot of things. I remember there were days that I called Harrison and said, do I take a gel when I run? Like, how does this work? How often do I take it? What do I do? Um, and the fact that if I was able to get through it and beat some of my big goals for it, um, I really hope that's inspiring to someone else. Yeah. You crushed it and we got your plan ready. We, we, we you know, we started from your baseline where you were and, and we did a, a gradual build and the race was supposed to be kind of, I think it was supposed to be end of April, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so, so then what happened? So, so then you decided to sign up for a race and that early race was canceled. Was it canceled or postponed? Yeah. So I had looked at doing um, a couple of different marathons and they all got canceled. Um, most of them didn't move virtually. They just canceled altogether and deferred to next year. So then I had um, settled on doing the Salt Lake City Marathon, which was a virtual event that was supposed to be held a month from today. Actually, it was going to be held April 10th of 2021. But you decided I'm not going to wait until <laughs> I did your, your ambitious self. <laughs> yep, I couldn't wait any longer. <laughs> so as I was training my training runs, um, I really stuck to the plan. I tried to not deviate it from it too much. Um, there were some days where I took a cross training day as a rest day. Some days I did strength training a little lighter, but I made sure to get my miles in. Um, so if I had an event going on on a Saturday, maybe 
I would do my long run the next day or the day after, but I made sure to get everything in. However, throughout my training plan, um, about three weeks ago or so, um, I was doing one of my longer runs and my arches and my feet started to hurt really bad. Now I've broken my ankle, um, so I kind of knew what bad foot pain felt like. And this was really different. It was a different kind of pain. But the one thing I think most people, when you're running that far, is when you get it in your mind that you're going to do a marathon, there's not much that can stop you from actually doing it. Um, You're going to hit that goal. Sure. So as I was running more and more and doing my long runs, the pain got worse and worse. So I went to the uh, local running store got fitted for new insoles and new shoes, and those didn't help. So I went to a different running store, tried the same thing. Um, I used braces and KT tape and everything else. And finally, when I was doing my 18-mile training run, the pain had gotten pretty bad um, to the point where I, at the end of it, I could hardly walk up the stairs, and it was um, a pretty intense pain. So that was on a Friday that I did that run. Um, I spent two days icing my feet and it wasn't getting better. So then I went to go see a doctor at our local sports and orthopedic institute. Um, and I had post-tibial tendonitis. So for anyone who's not familiar with that, just like I wasn't, it's where the tendon on your foot doesn't build up enough calcium to provide enough strength because your training plan is awesome, but maybe you're not quite as ready for it yet. Or you're putting on more miles than your body's ready for at that time. Um, which basically means that your arches are collapsing and the joint that connects um, by your tendon isn't strong enough to um, hold your flat arches. This is an issue people with flat arches normally get. Okay. So so if you have a really high arch, this is probably not something that you would typically have? Exactly. Yeah, but it's for okay. pretty flat-footed people um, and okay. people who are typically running on the balls of their feet, which is what's recommended. But if you're flat-footed running on the balls of your feet, it kind of is a a uh, uh, recipe for disaster at times. Yeah. So the the doctor had met with you and you and I had a lot of conversations around this time that, hey, we really need to back off on your miles. You know, mm-hmm. the, the goal is because we still have, you know, a month and a half or so. The goal is really to get you rested up. And, you know, you've already done your 18 miles. So your your fitness is there. You know, you're you're ready to run that marathon. Now, how do we get to how do we get you to the starting line <laughs> healthy? And and the doctor, what what is it? that the doctor said to you about running? Yeah. So the doctor told me that I couldn't do significantly more damage. I, you know, I was at a very minimal risk of rupturing it. It was something that I could run through. Um, he described it to me that the pain would be pretty bad. It would probably send me to tears as I was running, but I could do it. Um, the kind of cool thing that I had going for me that was surprising is that my, the rest of my body felt really good running. Had no problems with my lungs or shin splints. My calves didn't hurt. I would finish a run and the rest of me felt really good. It was my feet that just really hurt. Um, So I I chatted with my doctor about it and it got to the point where five more weeks of running was likely going to do more damage and my feet wouldn't be able to handle a hundred plus more miles on it. um, With resting Um, the recommended recovery plan for this injury is six to 10 ish weeks off of it, um, icing it, not running on it. So to have five more weeks of intense running and then a marathon, I probably would have not been in uh, shape where my foot wouldn't have been able to handle that. Sure. 
Well, so at that point, I, re- I remember telling you, hey, maybe maybe we need to seriously consider, you know, mm-hmm. backing off of this and, and moving your marathon to a later date, you know, uh, but you were the type of person where, like you said, you weren't going to, you weren't going <laughs> to listen to that. You weren't going to be swayed. You had your mind made up, which speaks volumes about who you are. Um, but for anyone listening, we do have to give a sort of a disclaimer here that it is not recommended if, if you have this type of injury to, to push through it without seeing a doctor. Now, the good news is you saw the doctor. The doctor said you probably could finish the marathon. And I think you followed that advice, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. If I didn't have that recommendation from my doctor, I definitely wouldn't have kept running. I had yeah. a lot of conversations with my family and friends and they all said, we get you want to do the marathon, but you have to consider your lifelong running career. And yeah. running is something that brings me a significant amount of happiness Um, so I did not want to do something that was going to ruin my running career. And so that's why it was really important to get that doctor opinion and, uh, work with you on adjusting the plan to make sure that it was something that I could keep doing. Yeah. Well, so we started talking about, okay, let's, let's take a few days off, you know, even up to a week and let's just see what happens. Let's see how you feel. So you started to do that. I know you started Mm -hmm. resting for maybe four or five days or so. And then what happened? Yes. I took four days off from running and then I, in the meantime, I had went and got fitted for another new pair of running shoes um, that were supposed to be a different ones that were supposed to help and new insoles. Um, it is highly recommended you do not change your shoes that close to a marathon. And when I tell my marathon story, I am the biggest advocate for not changing your shoes before the marathon. That was probably one of the worst decisions I could have made. Yeah. So for anyone listening... Even if you think, oh, it'll be fine, my body will adapt, I can guarantee you it probably doesn't. Well, let's let's pause real quick because like if you bought a new pair, that would probably not be a big deal if it was a new pair of the same style. But it sounds mm-hmm. like you went from one style, one brand to a completely different style. Exactly. Right? Yeah, but I went completely different brands. Can you tell us what, what was the first brand and then what was the second brand? Yeah, so I had been running for the the whole time of me running, you know, even back in um, high school, I ran in Brooks Adrenaline uh, shoes. So I was running in their 21 model right now. Yeah, those were awesome. Um, I absolutely loved them. Um, however, after the injury had happened, I had thought, well, maybe it's the shoes that aren't working. So I went to a less structured model, which were the Brooks Ghosts. Um, that made it worse because for anyone who has got flat arches, the less support under your arches um, yeah. is more catastrophic for it. So it caused more injury. So then I switched um, this past week, right before my marathon, I switched to a pair of New Balance shoes that are comparable to the Brooks Adrenaline, but they're a New Balance brand. So it was a gotcha. very different brand, a different shoe, and ultimately did not work. Okay. So regardless of all the shoe drama, you you ended up... Uh, <laughs> getting different shoes and then what happened? Yeah. So I had went for a training run in those new shoes, which was a six mile run on a Wednesday. And then that run felt okay because I had taken four days off from running before the run felt pretty good. And I think a lot of it was my mind was just ready to be back running again. So I think it was kind of a mind over matter deal. Um, But I had learned that pretty much anything over four or five miles was really painful for my feet after I was done running. And then Sunday was supposed to be a 16-mile run. And I actually didn't intend to run my marathon on Sunday. I was intending to just go for a regular run. And I had actually considered maybe I had a a 20-mile training run the following week in my plan. 
So I thought, well, maybe if I cut out the 16 mile run and do the 20 mile training run, maybe I can move my marathon up a week and give myself a, a week earlier of recovery. But when I was running the 16 mile run, um, partially through the run, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go through the, going to go ahead and do the full marathon. And, um, that's kind of how it had led up to running the marathon. Wow. So had you, has, had you brought any fuel or enough supplies <laughs> yes, to get you there? Kind of. So I had, um, brought three gel packets for me, um, I, like in my pockets for the run, um, and in my flip belt. And then I had two bottles of water, but because my foot pain was so bad leading up to running, I wasn't confident I was going to make it the full 16 miles. So I had just decided to do a series of two mile laps around my house in my neighborhood. So 13 two mile laps is boring, but it worked. So every time I ran past my house, my dad actually would meet me by the bottom of the driveway throw me a water bottle or he'd come run with me and bring me a gel pack. So having that support system there to not only keep me going as a, a friendly face as I was running, but to actually be meeting me, bringing me the waters, et cetera, felt like I had my own water and fuel stations as I was running. Yeah. such a smart idea. And, and I'll just throw this out there for anybody who might have a, an injury coming on. Um, and this is something my coach told me not too long ago is yeah. When, when you've got this, when you've got something going on and you've got a longer run, do a, do a loop around your house because if you are starting to feel pain, then you can cut it short. So, um, that was a, that was a great strategy. Yeah. And it was nice too, because the route that I did, I always knew I could do one more lap. It was like one more lap is only two miles. And in my mind, it was, you know, the route that I was doing, it didn't feel very long, you know, so I had little landmarks. I was like, well, I can make it to the next stop sign. Well, I can make it to my house again. Just kept doing that over and over. And it made it mentally much easier than running an out and back, you know, 13 miles one way and then oh, flipping yeah. around and doing that again. So as you're doing this, so you passed your 16 miles, which by the way, you and I talked and we, I think you were only supposed to do like eight Ten. or something like back yeah. off, and, you know, but you decided, you know what, I'm just going for it. Um, so then you started to do this, you, you crossed the 10, you crossed the 16. And then at what point were you like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Was that that towards the beginning of the run? Yeah, when I hit the eight mile mark, I was like, this run feels amazing. I definitely know that I can go further than 16. Gotcha. Um, my feet hurt pretty bad, but it was kind of one of those things like I was so happy to be running and kind of was like, I think I can do this. Um, yeah. So at the eight mile mark from mile eight to mile 14, the run flew by. It felt like it was a matter of minutes and I was already at mile 14. Um, and then I said, well, at this point, when I got past mile 16, I was like, I can definitely go 10 more. Um, <laughs> my feet hurt so bad. They were like almost numb to the pain. Yeah. Um, I had taken, you know, ibuprofen before I went, I had put icy hot on and KT tape. And I think all of that was worn off by like mile two. Um, but I knew that the adrenaline was going to keep me going. But I also knew that had I had to wake up in a few days and go for another long training run, my feet probably were um, just going to hurt too bad. And with my doctor's advice, I said, you know what, I probably can keep going. And so after mile 16, I just decided to keep running. Wow. And so you sent me a picture afterwards. Uh, you, you spared me from seeing the bloody toes, <laughs> but you had bloody shoes that I saw. What happened there? Yeah. So, um, when I hit mile 21, mile 21 was my wall. Um, I think most people hit it like mile 18 to mile 20. 
And the main reason for hitting that was my, so I had um, changed those shoes. The toe box on the shoes was too small for the structure of my feet. So I had actually gotten blisters on just about every toe and all of the blood blisters at mile 21, like simultaneously popped and they bled through my socks, bled through my shoe. Um, When I hit them popping at mile 21, I I don't think I can describe the pain. It was so bad, but it it, it um, worse than your arch pain. Yeah. It actually took away from my arch pain, which is almost a blessing (laughs) because yeah, I wasn't thinking about that anymore. Um, and I didn't look down because I knew if I looked down and saw something or stopped, I would be like, oh, I can't keep going. So instead, I decided, you know, what? I'm just going to keep running and don't look down. Um, it was at that point. Um, I was at mile 21. Uh, by the time I got home, it was mile 22. It's like two more laps around my house. I can do that. Um, and that one, then the adrenaline kept me going. Um, wow. When I crossed the finish line, then I actually didn't, um, you know, I had all the adrenaline and the excitement of it. And then I got home and went inside to take off my shoes and the amount of just grossness that was happening on, on there and, you know, completely bleeding through them was like, oh my gosh, I literally put my blood, sweat and tears into this race. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you, you literally, yeah, you did what I think many people don't have the mental toughness to do, which is fight through the pain, fight through the doubts, fight through what everyone else is saying to you and just get it done. And yeah. that's so admirable. And and I I know people listening to this are the same way you are. You know, if if you've decided in your mind you're gonna run a marathon, you're gonna do it. And that was the same with me too. And and I think for most people who who are crazy enough to call themselves a marathon or, or mm-hmm. you know, are training for a marathon, you know, they'll they'll go to uh, whatever length necessary to to make it happen, and and I think you're setting a, a f- excellent example. And and I just I can't stress enough how you know medical advice is super important in this situation. And and you did follow that, and your doctor gave you you know full permission to continue running at your own uh, expense of pain. But <laughs> you know I think that that is is so admirable and so exciting that you are now a marathoner and you get to start the the recovery process. Yes. So, so what is that looking like for you? Yeah. So the recovery process has been kind of interesting. So after the marathon, um, I had some uh, kind of rough GI issues. Um, I had fueled well during the run, but then after the run, I was a little too excited to eat right away. um, And I had not um, kind of gone through that process properly. So on Sunday, I was kind of down out in bed and pretty rough um, from both my feet pain, uh, but then also my stomach pain. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. I didn't really feel like eating much after that. Didn't really uh, do too much celebrating, but my family really made it awesome. Um, they had, you know, uh, put a finish line up for me when I was done. Um, when I hit mile, I think it was 23. My dad was like, are you still running 16 miles? Kind of like, what's going on here? Cause you know, you've been gone a lot longer than your normal paces. And I said, I think I'm going for the full thing. I've got three miles left. I'll see you soon. And I went into the next lap. He ran inside, went and got the rest of my family, told my siblings and my mom kind of what was going on. And as I rounded the corner for the last two tenths of a mile, which for most people who run a marathon, those last two tenths is impossible. For me, it was the stretch between when I could see my family. And it was like, 
just brought tears to my eyes how sweet it was that they were all out there. They had made some signs and were holding a finish line and they made that virtual experience just incredible. So that's kind of what the media after the race was like. And then the next few days, so we're talking right now on Wednesday. So Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I've spent most of my time trying to find a pair of shoes that I can get around the office in, um, walking really slowly, keeping my feet elevated and icing all the time and eating everything in sight. (laughs) (laughs) I have... um, you know, just had, you know, more cookies and things that I probably shouldn't have um, this week than I have the rest of my life. And it's been awesome because I keep telling everyone, well, I'm a marathoner, so I can do that today. (laughs) That's um, amazing. What was the reaction of everyone at at work? They were shocked because so I had made one of my thoughts when I was um, marathon training was I'm a pretty uh, goal oriented person. So telling people I was training for a marathon was kind of something that I brought up a lot. I think any of us runners talk about running all the time and I'm no exception to that. And so I had told them all originally that I was running it, you know, April 10th. And um, a few of my friends were awesome and said that they were going to stand outside with signs and be um, kind of water stations. And we were planning a route together. And so then I walked into work and of course I'm kind of hobbling around and everyone's like, what happened? I said, well, I ran my marathon and they said, well, you told us that was in a few months or, you know, six weeks, what's going on here. Yeah. And so it was kind of this sheer amazement and um, just everyone's been so supportive, which has been incredible. Well, celebrate, keep eating the, the food. Although <laughs> as uh, someone who is, is giving you guidance here, I think it's important <laughs> to tell you, you know, junk food's not helping the inflammation. So I just, it's not, <laughs> but, um, so how are you feeling now? Are you feeling any better? Are your feet getting any better? Are you like, Oh, this is going to be a long recovery process. Yeah. So I was able to go for a walk with my mom last night and she is a saint because she went, she's a, a pretty athletic person who kind of goes for really long walks every day. And she went so slow for me and was so patient. And she even brought me band-aids as my blisters were kind of doing all kinds of crazy things. And um, the fact that I was able to go for a walk yesterday was a pretty good sign. Um, As the days goes on, my toenails and my blisters are looking much better, um, but my tendons and my feet are feeling a lot worse. So I think you're right. I need to Definitely make sure I'm eating the right healthy things. I'm reducing the inflammation and making sure I stay off of my feet for a little while here. Absolutely. Well, keep in touch over the next, you know, week or two and, and hopefully it's Definitely. getting a lot better. And and I would also recommend seeing your doctor again, if possible, you know, just to have him, yeah. you know. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Just make sure that everything is good. And man, that's, that's so exciting. And congratulations. You're officially a marathoner. You did the 26.2. So, so what's next for you? Oh, I'm let's see. So happy. Thank you so much for that. Congratulations. That means a lot from you guys. Um, so I think next um, goal of mine is to try and do a triathlon. Um, I'm going to wait until after kind of the world's opened back up and I can do that one in person. But that is an event that I'm kind of trying to do soon. Um, I had read, I don't know if any of you guys have read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights book. No, but not yet. So there's a page in the book, it's a two page spread, and he ranks what he thinks are the easiest to most physically difficult physical activities. 
Uh-huh. So um, any kind of physical activity you can imagine is on that list. And the second to last hardest one is a marathon. And the hardest activity is a triathlon. And so I kind of want to be able to say I crossed everything off of his list and um, I did that. Um, and then we'll see kind of what's next after that. Wait, so his book, that's his own opinion? Or where did he get that information? Yes, that is his own opinion. From his own experiences, things he's done? Yes, I believe so. I don't know if he's actually ran the marathon or if he's just saying like, hey, I've watched it and it seems really hard. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I guess without the context of the book, I'm sitting here scratching my head like, what? I got to I gotta read these pages. Yeah, I'll have to send you a quick picture of it. But Yeah, for yeah. sure. That, yeah, send that to me. Well, so, okay, so triathlon, are you going to do... Uh, like a sprint or a, a Ironman, half Ironman? What's the Yeah, uh, I think if I I could pick an ideal distance, I think a half Ironman is probably close to what I'd like to do. Yeah. Probably start with a sprint first, just like you kind of start with running a 5K before you go on sure. to a half marathon. But yeah, we'll see. Um, I want to make sure that I don't put my feet in too much you know, uh, damage uh, doing it and I can find a good safe place to train. But that's kind of the distance that we'd be looking at doing. Awesome. Well, congrats on on everything. And and I wish you the best of luck uh, as you move forward with your uh, endeavors. Yeah. And in your recovery, take care of your feet, take care of your body. And uh, thanks for spending the time. We we really appreciate it. And and also, I think a lot of people are going to be so excited to hear about your story and relate to it because think of how many people during the pandemic had to do something similar and did their virtual race. And uh, the funny part of the story is that you just cut off like six weeks of your training plan. So you're super efficient. <laughs> yeah. You came in, uh, what do they say? Under budget and and uh, on schedule or how does that saying go? <laughs> yeah. I had to schedule and under budget, I think. Yeah. yeah I had to schedule and under budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that was kind of the cool part is I, so in my um, uh, kind of work area here, I have printed off the Excel spreadsheet that you had um, sent over with a training plan and, you know, recommended things. And every single day I would highlight what I did. So my goal at the end of it was to have, you know, the full 16 week training plan highlighted. And I have a good portion of it that's not highlighted because I finished it early, which is (laughs) great because that means I have five more weeks to recover and get ready for my next run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Katrina. And um, I hope you have a great night. I hope you recover and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this friendly journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.